Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, geeks, nerds, fanboys, fangirls, germs, germaphobes, all kinds of other phobes. Welcome to the Vigilant Geek Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Puzak of Vigilant Geek Media, and with me, as always, my comic book partner in crime. Hold the norm of Vigilant Geek Media. And today we are going to provide a very vigilant recap of Boston Comic Con 2016. Yeah, so this event for us is like the equivalent of like vacation and Super Bowl all at once. Um, yeah, for the normies. Yeah, we would have come out with this sooner, but like actually there was kind of a hangover after the con. A certain amount of mental exhaustion. There was a, yeah, definitely. We had to, we had to digress. We had to get our, uh, our bearings again. And, um, you know, it took a couple weeks for that. So, uh, here we are, you know, uh, still less than a month, uh, from the convention, from when the convention happens. Uh, and we're finally blabbing about it. Um, we just put up, uh, the article on the blog. Uh, go to, uh, com to see all kinds of neat, uh, photos, uh, of, uh, some of the events we took place in and some of the cosplays. And we, we actually, uh, the Vigilant Geek guys cosplayed, uh, uh, one of the days we went on a cosplay, uh, harbor cruise, uh, hosted by, uh, cosplayer Ivy Doom Kitty. She's, uh, usually the host of that event every year um and uh i was uh i was harvey two-face and uh i I thought i made a pretty pretty damn good two-face and then uh holden you were shaggy yeah i went i went from shaggy from scooby-doo i know i was i had planned on going as indiana jones the entire year and then one morning i looked in the mirror and i was like i really like all this hair i have now and I can't really use this to be Indiana Jones. It's just not going to pull it off. So I went ahead and I, I shaved up my goatee, and I, I was a very convincing-looking shaggy. I feel. And you'll you'll see on the blog, uh, it actually got some uh, we got some photos of Holden uh, dressed as Shaggy uh, in front of the Mystery Machine, driving the Mystery Machine. It's really cool stuff. Uh, and then, uh, Christopher Gerard, who actually, uh, is a member of Vigilant Geek Media team, he does a lot of behind the scenes stuff, uh, like, uh, photography and graphic design and things like that. Uh, he was there, he went to the con with us, and, uh, he, uh, was Scarecrow. So we had some good costumes, and like I said, there's all sorts of goofy pictures, uh, up on the blog in regards to that. Um, but anyways, um, let's talk a little bit more about, uh, the ins and outs and events in comings and goings of this year's con. Now, obviously, uh, it keeps getting bigger every year. Um, this year it was bigger than it was last year. And with that, there was more to do. And since there was more to do, there's more for us to do and more for us to cover. There's, yeah, there was so much going on at this con. Lots of celebrities. There's a strong celebrity, uh, roster this year. Um, more guest speakers than last year, too. They went ahead and they, they managed to get William Shatner and then they managed to get Frank Miller, which I have a theory. Yeah. Well, you can't just say I have. Oh. A th- I have. I have a theory, <laughs> but I'm not gonna tell you. <laughs> no, like, I'm. I'm all ears. Like I want to hear. Yeah. Well. <laughs> um. So this year, a lot of people showed up from the con. Uh, a lot of people from DC. Like every year, it just seems that like Marvel, like like, like come on, go to Boston. Like, uh, and then they only convince, like, the, the local creator artists that, uh, that live in the era anyway. Uh, there are a lot of them in Somerville. Uh, and, uh, but. Well, so, uh, we, we got Stan Lee last year, at least. So that was cool. We, I got, got to meet him and, and listen to last year's Boston Comic Con podcast if you want to know more about Stan. Cause, uh, that was a story from last year's con. Right. Well, I think this year there was some sort of clandestine DC meetings going on. 
Uh, the reason I say that is because Frank Miller is, he just, he never does appearances. So like all of a sudden he decides that he's going to do an appearance on the East Coast. Um, and it was announced like pretty last minute, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it was like two minutes before, no, like, uh, like two to three months before. Yeah, yeah, it, it was it, only a few months before the con, I remember, cause, cause I, like all of a sudden, one day, I remember you telling me, hey, Andrew, Frank Miller's gonna be at the con, but guess how much it costs to meet him? Yeah. And then I said, nah. No, eh. 400 bucks, to, ugh. Like, Robocop 2 was good, but it was never, ever that good. <laughs> ever. Well, um, with all you know, things in that I movie. think I think Mr. Miller is known for uh, some some other work out there, uh, both in film and, of course, the graphic novel medium. Besides RoboCop Two, um, but that actually was uh, a, a masterpiece in my eyes. Well, that's uh, the that's the best film he ever wrote. I mean, you can make an argument for three hundred, but but like when it comes right down to it, RoboCop Two is about as good as it got, and then. No, so I don't think I don't feel like the Sin City movies should count because since he wrote the source material as well. Oh, all right, all right. Um, I, I was going to argue that, but fair enough. Um, but so yeah. Um, my theory. Yeah, yeah, back to the theory. So we we all of a sudden, bing bang boom, we got Frank Miller coming to Boston. Right. Then all of a sudden, you got uh, some other tells. Brian Azzarello comes every year, but he was going to be part of Frank Miller's thing. And then, then there were a couple other things. So when, when we finally started going to some of these panels on Friday, n- who's there but Dan DiDio? Now, Dan DiDio is like a big time sit at your desk, like takes care of important production type things. Like he's, he's the CEO of jerking off. Pretty much. Well, him and no, Jim, I'm just kidding. him and Jim Lee, <laughs> they pretty much, they do kind of the same job. So there's like, big deal guy, randomly here, unannounced in Boston, right? Alright, and then, the next following night, you see tons of all these, pretty much most of the DC creators are like, all hanging out, all getting hammered in the hotel, in the hotel later on that night. Then you find out that Sean Murphy, a well-regarded artist, ha- working with DC, he's he's there, but he's not at the con, but he's there, so it's just like, it's weird. Yeah, he wasn't going to be doing any commissions or signing anything for anyone, but he was just there. Yeah, he wasn't yeah. there for panels or anything. So this makes me think that DC was having like a meeting, like they're making a decision on on like something to do. Next, they're just like, hey, let's all get together. And get hammered and then kind of come up with the next step. And about a week later, they said that Sean Murphy was going to be doing his own Batman book, which maybe he was, they were there to get the blessing from Frank Miller and Brian Azzarello and Scott Snyder. And Perhaps. Maybe. Or they're, they're planning their next thing because Master Race is almost finished, right? Yeah, I actually fell behind. I got to, uh, the fourth installment of that, uh, story arc and then, uh, I haven't been picking it up lately. I'm going to try to catch up on it, though. Yeah. No, I mean, I've been picking up, too. It's just, it's one of those, when it comes to miniseries or just like, yeah, it's a limited run, like, I just wait till, like, I have all the books and then read it because... It's so much more enjoyable. Yeah. 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 It's, because that's how it's meant to be. Comic books are supposed to be completed versions of books, or at least, you know, the story arcs complete. So, but... Reeling myself back in here. So that's my theory. So I think they're either thinking of trying to come up with like the next like event, which DC, DC has been doing really well since rebirth, but I still feel like their events suck. Well, yeah, they haven't had a big crossover event or anything, uh, since the new 52, since, uh, since, well, let's see. Convergence was bad. I guess. I guess Convergence would really be the last one that we've had from DC. I mean, then some of their other like events, like the Dark Side War, wasn't bad. The Justice League arc, but that was just Justice League. Yeah, that was limited to his book. It might, that could have been the event. I mean, for that year. I mean, that's mm. how they did it. All the you can tell what the event's going to be f- with like what's spinning off for one shots. Yeah. Because, yeah. like, they've done that with Zero Year, Forever Evil, and I don't know. But you know what? You want to know what? I'll give it up to DC. At least they freaking showed up to the con. Because Marvel has terrible representation every year. You go, 
You go to the front of the entrance of the con. You see all these Marvel characters on banners. They're on the T-shirt. Yeah. They're on the program. They're not in the convention. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know it. Um, I think that there, we had Mark Wade, and that was really it. Uh, well, that was pretty cool. Brian, Brian Stelfreeze, I guess, who was doing Black Panther. Um, I mean, it was, it was really cool. I mean, uh, you know, both those guys, it's, it's great to have them there. But yeah, um, Boston has been a DC town with the exception of Stan Lee being the guest of honor last year. Uh, if you, you set that aside, Boston is, is pretty much been a DC town for the last four years. I mean, that's, how long we've been going. Um, and it really seems like, you know, DC just has a much stronger presence. Uh, and we'll get into, uh, some of the, uh, creators we got to meet and got to take some photos with and get some stuff signed. And, uh, it was, it was primarily DC though. Um, so just real quick, uh, it's going to rattle off, uh, some of the other celebs. Some of the uh, other ones worth mentioning. Uh, you, you, you mentioned Holden William Shatner. Uh, I believe he was like the official guest of honor uh, for Comic Con this year. Uh, I was never like a huge Star Trek guy. I was always I always leaned more towards Star Wars. So it wasn't once again another one of those VIP experiences. I didn't feel I I needed to pay you know hundreds of dollars for. But the, you know they had a lot of other. Uh, Big names from, you know, in the, 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 the thing that impressed me the most about the celebrities, uh, was the, all the actors and actresses that showed up from the DC TV universe. You had, uh, John Barrowman, who played the Dark Archer. You had, uh, Katie Lotz, who played Black Canary. You had, uh, Robbie Amell, who played Firestorm. Uh, Hot Girl, I forget the actress's name, but Hot Girl was there. And they had, like, a whole panel, and, uh, you know, that's just really cool, because, like, th- those shows are, 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 are hot right now, you know? Like, they get a lot of popularity and a lot of steam, especially with Supergirl moving to, uh, you know, joining sort of the universe, the CW universe, moving to the CW. And, yeah, they're going to be on you know. the same network now, so it'll be easier to cross over and stuff. Which is pretty cool. Not to get too sidetracked, but um Well, I mean it's it's all comics here, you know? Yeah. I'm actually exactly. kinda excited to bit the prospects of it being on the CW as well. And then and then just the possibilities for programming, you know, since they're all on the same network. It almost seems like it's like the like the D C network at this point. I know it. <laughs> well, yeah, CW is Warner Brothers. It's Warner Brothers television network and uh I mean, Warner Brothers, the two, two of their big properties are, uh, DC Comics and Looney Tunes, and what, you can't really do much with Looney Tunes on primetime television. So, uh, bingo, bango, let's start turning these, uh, comic book characters, these timeless, uh, caped crusaders and heroes and villains into, into television characters. And they've done a marvelous job at that. And it was great to see, uh, such a strong presence from the TV universe they have created, you know. Uh, so that was kind of cool. Um, so uh, lots of lots of celebrities. Uh, they did that. Well, like other um, lots of other people from other fandoms as well. So, um, well, yeah, you got the Doctor Who companions, Jenna Coleman and uh, Karen Gillan. You had Gillian Anderson from the X Files. Uh, Trying to think of the rest off the top of my head. Uh, I think that's like most of them. There was a guy from The Walking Dead. Forget his name. He was there. And then there was like 15 people from the Star Trek film. Oh, yeah. Carl Urban was there. Yeah, Who played uh, Dr. McCoy. He's also played uh, Judge Dredd in the Dredd movie. And uh, he was there, too. Uh, and then Marvel's one sole diplomat, I guess, was Elizabeth Henstridge from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, you know, you know, it was good, good group of celebs. So, you know, if, if you were somebody who, uh, you know, enjoys getting your picture taken with celebrities and getting things signed, that's, uh, certainly a lot to do in that aspect of the con. Um, however, there are many other aspects of the con as well. 
Um, why don't we take some time now, Holden, and let's let's walk ourselves through day by day of what we did, the three of us, me, you, and Christopher Gerard, who is a little bit shy for the podcasts, but like I said, he's like a behind the scenes guy here at Vigilant Geek Media. But yeah, let's let's uh walk down memory lane and recap uh some of the things we did uh since we got there on Friday. Yeah. So um we arrived after the doors opened. Uh we went ahead and we settled the business with the hotel to go ahead and check in. Uh showed up around noon. So it wasn't the line had gotten really bad around the building at that point, but like when you're rolling with the VIP tickets, you can pretty much get in whenever you want. And that's the importance of the VIP tickets. VIP tickets are amazing if you want to get in without any hassle and if you want to go ahead and cut in line to pay for those uh, photographs with celebrities and get their autograph as well. That's that's the right. best part. But the most valuable thing is getting into the building because July and – well, no, it was, it was August, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. They, uh, they had the con a little later this year. It was, uh, I believe, the second week of August – I mean, even though it's right on the waterfront in Boston, it's, it was still like so humid. It was, it was oh really god, bad. yeah, yeah. Um, and then inside the con grounds itself, they actually kept it pretty, pretty cool. But uh, yeah, you don't want to be standing out in that line. So after we went ahead and we we took care of that, we went and uh, tried to track down some quick signatures, which I believe we right out the gate we ended up getting David Lloyd and Marv Wolfman. Yeah. Um you got a uh, awesome uh, issue of Crisis on Infinite Earth signed by Marv, and I got uh, an issue of Batman Year Three, which was actually a Dick Grayson origin story that Marv wrote uh, back in the late seventies. Ooh, yeah, obscure. Yeah, yes. I was really pleased that I had it and that it was already part of my collection. So I wasn't spending any extra money, and then I got it signed by Marv Wolfman for free because he was actually a nice enough guy, even though he's a legend. Um, he was like, "You give you a free signature, and then five bucks for each one after that." I think it might have been ten, or was it five? Because I remember simply. No, nah, he was living. only charging five. It was it was Azarello charging ten, sitting in the corner with no uh, no fans because nobody wanted to pay the ten bucks to. You know, for- to, to be fair, remember the year before and how like clear his table was and nobody was there. So he probably yeah. just figured like, if the one or two guys are gonna come by, maybe they'll pay ten bucks. Yeah, and like I was one of the two guys because I remember uh, I got my brother Lono signed last year, and then I had I had all this new stuff like Master Race variants and everything. And like as soon as I found out, I was like, damn it, I just can't f- I can't afford that. And it sucks, but, well, it's, it's his discretion, I guess, you know, that's, you know, they're there, I guess they're trying to make a little extra coin, but. I mean, there's. At least give, give me the first one for free, for Christ's sakes, you know, for Pete's sakes. Yeah. Pardon me. Yeah. Well, I mean. Like Marv Wolfman did. That was reasonable. That was cool. Yes. Now, especially for somebody like. They're thinking their britches are too big or something, you know? Like, uh. Well, the man did write 100 bullets and that was like 100 issues of the most amazing crime noir I've ever read. Uh. That's true. Well, it, he's coming out with another title and he's working with Eduardo Rizzo again and it's called, um, Moonshine and it has something to do with Chicago gangsters, booze running and werewolves. Uh, it does. It sounds like it's got some potential. That's something I would check out. Yeah, what's coming out? I believe it's like an image book, and it's gonna be out in these next couple months. I don't know. They've been hyping. You know how it is. Like oh, yeah. things come out in previews three months before they're even gonna come out. People don't want to deal with it, and then then they ask for it to be put on the pull list like the last second, and then. And it's hard for creator owns to really take root, you know. But like somebody like Brian Azarello is not gonna have any issues getting people to buy his book because people are already familiar with him and his work. So, Yeah, if, if you know, chances are, if, if you're a fan of the graphic novel medium, in, in fact, it, 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 I'd, I'd be really surprised to hear someone call themselves a fan of the graphic novel medium and have not heard of Brian Azzarello. So, uh, you know, I would question if they were tr- a true 
fan of said medium. <laughs> um, but yeah, with that being said, uh, yeah, so then there was David Lloyd who had to, uh, you know, he, he, he did the art for V for Vendetta. So if you've read V for Vendetta, uh, I mean, the art was not the reason to like the book, really. The art was... I mean, was, it was, it was, oh, well, if we, if, are we trying to be nice right now? Cause if we're being nice, we don't need to be nice to people like David Lloyd because <laughs> David Lloyd's already, you know, he's made his stamp in, in, you know, the industry, you know, so, so it's like sportscasters, you know, dirting on who the last latest guy who, you know, got caught on steroids or something. It's it's like that, but we we dirt all over comic book creators and and people like comic book people. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, well, I mean, to put it even to put it kindly, David Lloyd's art style is the mediocre '80s style that is it's like generic and was over recreated over and over and over again throughout the entire decade um there's nothing to really separate it from anyone else's work except for the fact that he illustrated a book done by Alan Moore who's probably one of the eh, one of the gr- greatest writers in the medium yeah he's like in one the of the past 40 years absolutely yeah one of the kings of the medium, one of the gods of the medium, however you want to put it. Um, yeah, David Lloyd, very smug man. Um, you know, he, he had a stand in there for, for, I don't know how long until he looked up at us. Yeah, know, he like, didn't have a line. He was working on this commission for something. Yeah, but where was the guy he was working on the commission for? Oh, maybe he came back. I don't know, whatever. Um, yeah, but either way, uh, you know, he said that he would, uh, sign my, uh, copy of V for Vendetta, uh, as soon as he was done working on whatever he was working on. So that was interesting. It took him, yeah. It was so awkward just standing there, like, it was just like, a, like uh, it took like a minute. Oh, Mr. Lloyd, I'm a, such a great fan of yours. That's the most awkward part mm-hmm. of the, like, the Comic Con experience, cause it's like, Oh, hey, like, you're meeting people, like, hey, I enjoy your work, but, like, I'm not about to go slaughter a goat on an altar for you. <laughs> and so then you get the awkwardness, like, hey, I like your work, I enjoy it, and I know stuff about you, but don't, don't know anything about me, I'm trying not to be weird, and then, <laughs> and then, yeah. But, you know, um, and, and I, I think that a lot of these, uh, industry creators, these artists and writers, you know, we've talked about how like they might not have the greatest social skills, but some of them, some of them sort of do. Uh, like uh, Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo, um, you know, they're always great with fans. They're easy to talk to. Oh uh, yeah, no. Awesome Amanda guys. Connor and Jimmy Palmiotti, another example. Every year, I bring a pile of uh, Harley Quinns for them to sign. I think they've signed like. 15 out of, you know, however many issues they put out for the new 52, like just, you know, 15 of my issues. I have them hung all over the place in my room, but, um, they're really nice to their fans too. Uh, yeah, it's, it's just a shame that those two, uh, those two groups of people are, are like the most coveted people to be seen because they are so busy the entire con, both of them. They're the, Involved in panels, all of them, like 15 panels. They they say they're going to go ahead and sign stuff. And last year it worked out because what they did was they gave out these these tickets with numbers. And based on whatever your number is, you just you go, you walk up, and you get your thing signed. And then you can walk around and you don't have to stand in line and deal with the oppressive staff who, like, work there once a year because they wanted to get in for free. And yeah. And they regret yeah. it. So, like, ah, if that's the one thing I would change, like... Like, Comic-Con is best to be enjoyed if, like, the go, go meet, like, some create, um, independent creators or some up and young up and coming artists and, and writers. Cause they're gonna be in there and they're gonna be no lines and you can, you can, you can go and you can have, like, a five minute conversation with these people and really find out what they're doing, what they're getting into, stuff about their work. 
You know, it's not it's not a like assembly line where like up up you go. Hi, how are you? And then you get next. the signature and then <laughs> next. Yeah, and then they 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 push you out the plane. Like, yeah. Well, um you know, you make a good point there. Um, if you're also an aspiring comic book creator yourself, an aspiring writer, an aspiring artist maybe, those are the people you want to be talking to. You want to be talking to, uh, people who have already, like, done what you want to do. People who have already published their own, uh, creator own material and are, and are selling it at the con, you know, and they have a table. Uh, you know, so they're some of the best people. Uh, they're doing it because they love it. They're not making a million bucks off this. Um, but they're some of the best people, most down-to-earth people to talk to and to get advice from on uh, how to proceed in a creative endeavor such as that. So there's just some food for thought there, too. Absolutely. I mean, that's why That's why I, I feel panels should be good. But lately, like the... The panels this year, it was like half and half. Cause like half of it was, was good. Cause like when I go to a panels, I, I want to see some insight behind the scenes. I want teasers about future up and coming story arcs. I want, uh, you know, stuff like that. I don't want to, but when we went, it was mostly like, like, um, just like inside joke stories. Like, hey, yeah. Amanda Carter, remember when I joked to you about, Rebirth being afterbirth, and then you did that terrible variant cover that we couldn't do after you took it seriously. <laughs> and then, you know, and stuff so like it's that. like, hey, rem- remember when we were at when I was at work and you were at work <laughs> and we were both at work and we had a, like a really hilarious interaction, but no one else in this room full of three hundred people knows what we're talking about. Yeah, that was so funny, and that was what the panels were sort of like. This, um, I mean, the Snyder Capullo panel. Was sort of like that too, but at least uh, we got to sort of say goodbye for now uh, to uh, that Batman creative team, uh, and we got I got to you know ask them each what their favorite uh, story arc was. Um, so that was cool. Uh, Greg Capullo's favorite was uh, Death. Uh, was it Endgame or is it No, no Death of the it was Family? Death of the Family. Um, because of all like just the grotesque and gruesome panels that he got to draw, he loves drawing that stuff because he's got a huge horror background working on Spawn and Haunt and things yeah. of that nature. Yeah, what was it? Uh, Scott was like, "Oh man, like, uh, it was like really messing with him, like emotionally. It was like it was so dark, and I'm like, oh man, I hope you can handle it.' And then, and then, uh, <laughs> and then Greg gets it, gets the page. He's like, "Oh, nice." Yeah, funny interaction. They also gave uh, a little insight. Um, they're they're probably going to get back together on uh, All Star Batman and Robin. No, not All Star Batman and Robin. Just All Star Batman. Yeah, because All Star Batman and Robin was something else. Yeah, for now, All Star Batman. He's slated to have a bunch of different artists. Uh, I'm thinking within the span of like the next nine months, we're going to get our Greg Capullo All Star Batman story and. How like how like Scott went ahead and described like Batman like riding on a Harley towards like some sort of hellscape with a battle axe, and like the thing is when Snyder teases things lightly, it's real subtle. But he always it's it, he's he's secretly trying to tell the audience what he's gonna do. Yeah, without giving the whole damn thing away. I yeah, mean, he's done it a handful of times. Like uh, the year before last, when you went ahead and you asked him like, "What's next for your Batman run?" When he was doing his final Batman run, and then he kind of wishy-washy talked about like other things he wanted to do, and then how he said that he didn't want to leave Batman until he'd explored the entire Rogues Gallery. Right. So then he left the main title book, but now he's doing All Star Batman, which is where he is exploring the entire Rogues Gallery. Because already in All Star Batman, he's already like five different Rogues have popped up just in like the the first book. We got like Killer Moth. Um. Well, yeah, you had Killer, Killer Moth and Firefly, and Two-Face. then and Two Face, obviously. So maybe just three. But then, like, I've seen teasers for more. Well, that's cool. So yeah, but he always he he's always really good about the uh, the teasers with that stuff. 
Yeah, so that's always a good panel to to go to because he's Scott Snyder's there every year. You know, one of the big DC guys that's always seems to be uh, in Boston for the con. Uh, he makes it a point to go, and I, you know, being one, you know, he's one of my favorite writers. So so I appreciate the fact that he makes the effort to go to the Boston con. Um, but yeah, that's a great panel to go to because you'll at least get you'll get something out of it. Um, the, the DC panel we went to on Friday, was that Friday? Yeah. Um, they didn't, they didn't give us much. They didn't give us much to play with. No, I think they're, they're really just trying to rehabilitate the line, which rebirth is, is kinda, I didn't realize like how big a fans people were of DC. I always just kind of felt like Marvel had the upper hand on DC and for the past five years because of the new 52 when, DC pretty much was just like, ah, oh, remember all the rich story and character development and continuity that we had? Oh, we're just gonna start from scratch! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that really alienated a lot of people. And because it's that backdrop, like when you're reading the stories, that rich history that kinda makes every new story better. And, and people wanna go ahead and write stories that add to the, the legend and the mythos of, of your Batman and your Superman and the rest of the Justice League and the entire DCU. So. Oh, absolutely. You just, uh, yeah, I did that thing where I lose my point. No, I mean, <laughs> it, it, it's just, uh, it wasn't a, it wasn't a, a year for panels. It was, uh, no, it was bleak in regards to panels this year. I think. No, so that was, Basically all I was trying to get across. Oh no, it was, yeah. No, I think most of the panels that I went to this year, it was the, ho oh, remember when we were at, at work and we were doing our job? Like, yeah! <laughs> and then everyone in the crowd's like, yeah! Of course it didn't help that like most of the questions fielded were like, were like, like young kids who like, who just like have been told like how hard it is to get a job and then like they see these people who are employed. So they go and they walk up and like, what is it like to be employed? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and uh, art students looking for advice and things like that. But um, um, that stuff's not too bad, though, because they actually, like, the advice that a lot of the artists were giving on some of those panels was actually really good stuff. The problem is, is that, like, unless you're kind of interested in that information. Well, no, it's, like, the main thing that uh, they, they told uh, aspiring artists is draw every day, and... That can be applied to anything in life that you want to be good at. Do it every day. Do it once a day. If you want to be a good writer, write something. Write something every day. If you want to be an artist, draw something every day. If you want to blab uh, on the internet radio like us, do it every day. I guess if you want to be good at it. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Maybe we'll get there someday. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, another thing they said too is don't stick to one style or genre. Yeah, yeah, it's important to be versatile. They're like learn how to do most things, and then and then do what you make makes you happy. I guess after that. Yeah, I think that applies especially to artists, aspiring artists. So, yeah, no, it's good to uh, hear what what some of the people that have made it what they have to say about you know advice. Like, I thought it was really cool what Amanda Connor said. Um, now, she writes Harley Quinn with uh, her husband, Jimmy Palmiotti, for those that don't know. Um, when she said that she had actually worked uh, as a comic book retailer for years, like, like I think it, like, a, like about a decade with uh, her ex-husband, they owned a comic book store. And uh, you can tell that's the kind of person that truly loves comic books, like truly, lo- truly loves the medium. And... Uh, it shows because her work is so successful and then you, you got those massive lines to get Harley Quinn books signed at Comic-Con and stuff. It's, it's you know, she has a certain style of artwork that I happen to really enjoy and I know tons and tons of other people do too. Um, but it also is like if you, if you, if you have a real passion for something and, and yes, if you do practice it every day, you know, 
you can go from owning or operating a comic book store to uh, writing the books that are uh, stocked in said comic book store. So I wonder what her ex-husband is thinking now. It's like um, he, he's like selling her comic book in his comic book ah, store. Yeah, and you gotta yeah. you gotta have Harley, and if you're 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 running a comic yeah. book store, oh yeah, you can't just negate that book. Harley so. Quinn has been has been labeled as the fourth pillar of DC Comics by Jim Lee. Really? Yeah, which I don't know if the sales numbers support it, but like I can kind of see that. So it's like Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Harley Quinn. She probably is, like, among the most popular, yeah. Well, I mean, it certainly was at the con. Like, uh, geez, it's the the two longest lines were for Snyder Capullo and, um, and Palmiotti Connor. Like, Batman and Harley Quinn, yeah. Yeah. The two, two most popular books, and then, of course, Superman's always going to be popular. And, uh, Wonder Woman, you know. And, uh... Uh-huh. Then, then, you know, after that, you know, you gotta be a DC fan. You gotta really, to dive into some of these other titles, you gotta be a fan of, of the label, you, like the Flash, Lantern, Aquaman, ETC, ETC, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, they've done such a good job rebuilding with the, re- with the rebirth line, though. It just, uh, it feels like, like when you were reading the new 52 books, like, cause I, even though I got in on the ground floor with new 52, after reading some of these rebirth books, it feels like there's like whatever was missing is there now. You know, I feel the same way, you know, uh, from what I've read so far from rebirth. And we're going to do an episode on rebirth, uh, coming up pretty soon, I imagine. I mean, we've both been reading the books. Uh, so, uh, be on the lookout for that within the next few weeks for sure. Um, well, what else happened? Was it day one was a day of, of, uh, it's uh, signatures, panels, and uh, the drink and draw. And then, uh, yeah, and then once we did that, then we did the drink and draw later that night. So the drink and draw was this free event that um, they went ahead, and it was sponsored by DeviantArt and Webtoon, and it was free, and it was um, downstairs in the hotel. And uh, what you do is you just show up, and then other other artists and other go there, and they they create art, and then. They, they were going to put it up on auction later on uh, that weekend in the con. So um, we went, we started hanging around, and then all of a sudden, like, famous people started showing up. Like, Jimmy Palmiotti, like, uh, randomly showed up, and then he made, like, uh, he just drew, like, a really simple pair of tits. And then, like, I guess that got auctioned off. <laughs> um, I mean, and there were a bunch of other cool stuff, too. I actually ended up shooting the shit with one of the artists there, and, and I ended up getting a sketch of, like, a... Uh, Donald Trump as a pig. Yeah, yeah. Um, that picture's on the blog. And, uh, it had, um, a double theme, uh, with Animal Farm for those that are fans of Animal Farm. Uh, it was a really cool art piece that I, I, I thought, um, and very appropriate for Donald Trump. <laughs> came out, it came out really well. Um, so it was really cool. The Vigilant Geek guys, we sat, we sat at our own table in the corner cause, uh, we don't, we can't draw, you know, we, we, we aren't blessed that way. Um, however, um, just to see, uh, some of the stuff being created around us, uh, while sipping on some, uh, beverages, some adult beverages. It was pretty, it was pretty surreal. And then after that, we're, we're walking around and then like, like we're like walking by like all these like creators like pretty much like most of the people that are involved in, involved in my stack were in the bar across the hall and you could tell it was just uh it was just like a DC party weekend cuz a lot of people from DC had birthdays on uh, on that weekend That's that's right. Um who who were the ones with the birthdays? I forget. Uh Billy Tucci, Brian Azzarello, a couple others. Hmm. Yeah, either way, uh, it was a big DC gathering and can't help but wonder if your theory, your conspiracy, DC conspiracy theory, uh, is, uh, is correct. I think it very well could be. They're planning their next big move on the game board. The game board of graphic novels! Maybe. Well, you know how it is. They're always planning shit like nine months ahead of time. So, like, yeah. 
when it comes to the the news like this, I mean, the the big tell was just like, what the hell? Dan DiDio works in California now. That's because that's where DC moved its offices. They're not in New York anymore. So he went to the opposite coast to be at Boston Comic Con to go ahead to what to what to host to, panels. Host panels? No, <laughs> no. He was there, and something was going on behind the scenes. Yeah, that's that's for certain. So yeah. um, you can't fool us, DC. We're too smart. We're yeah. too smart. Smart. <laughs> so then, uh, day two, we cosplayed. It was the cosplay, and he bought. So, I bought so many prints. It was a really good con for prints this year. The quality of the prints provided by all the artists this year was just absolutely fantastic, insane. Then us, and then I, I picked up my crown jewel. Um, I picked up original artwork that's going to be featured in Silk Number Twelve from Tana Ford. And that's right. Then us. I hang out with her. It was wicked cool too. I shot the shit with her a little bit, and then um, learned a little bit about her creator own, and then and then um, yeah, she was also at the uh, the queer enough panel on Sunday. But I, I ended up buying some original artwork from her. It's actually getting framed as we speak. And yeah, I I saw it, and it's it's really something else. Uh, it's gonna look great on the wall. Well, it was a re- it was reasonably priced too. Like this is this is artwork that is the source material for what is going to be in a comic book, a comic book that is going to be sold around the world. And yeah. I have the original, <laughs> so it's just like, Woo-hoo! yeah, I'm feeling real special about this. Now that's like probably like the ultimate souvenir from Comic Con if you can. Walk away with something like that with original, you know. oh, with original prints and artwork. Not too many bring that um, original artwork like that, and usually when they do, it's usually quite expensive. So, like, I'm so happy I got in on the ground floor with that. But I got so many other good things too. I, I picked up a fake stuffed uh, unicorn head that I have mounted on my wall upstairs. Yeah, it's I very nice. Picked up any number of Steven Universe prints. Uh, the Batman Dark Knight prints. Um, I picked up a, a Raphael Albuquerque print from the Dark Knight Returns. Yeah, I, I, I saw that, and uh, where he's uh, in the mud pit fighting the uh, mutant leader, and boy, did that come out good! That wow, out really good. And I got some simplistic stuff with uh, with some Joker and some Green Lantern, and yeah, some like my living room has gone from. Blank, boring space to like. Now it's it's turning into something. You got a little getting the get some happy walls here. Got some comic book stuff in my living room. Yeah, but you know it looks nice, you know. But um, yeah, so we all stocked up on uh, prints. Uh, I had a lot of uh, young children asking me to take pictures with them, dressing up like cause I was dressed up as Two Face and Chris Christopher with the Scarecrow. You did a hell of a job on the makeup too, with the what was it? Because you, you like half your face had to look like disfigured and mangled, and it, and it was it was it was quite nice for you know a gruesome thing. It didn't feel so nice though. <laughs> I got to tell you, um, I I had to glue some uh, scars onto my face first, and then I had to like paint over the scars with like this white stuff, and then I had to paint. Everything else over with, you know, the, the, the red makeup to look, make it look all bloody. And then I had to put fake blood over that. And then I had to like do my hair and, and do half my hair all white. You'll see, uh, for those of you, uh, are going to go to the blog and check it out. There's pictures on the blog where half my hair is white and yeah, it's all crazy looking. But, um, yeah, uh, Christopher and I went around, uh, uh, hunting down other cosplayers, uh, that were members of Batman's rogues gallery. And I think we collected all of like the real popular ones. Uh, a bunch of Banes, bunch of Jokers, bunch of Harleys, Poison Ivy. Uh, yeah. I mean, even Batman, we got some pictures with uh, a really good Batman too. So, um, I, I, I do have to say that, you know, uh, I, I used to kind of be the guy that, like, swear off cosplay, like, ah, this is just annoying, and all these people are taking pictures and clogging up the aisles, but when you get into it a little bit, it's actually a good time, 
So well, that actually felt like the flow of traffic this year was a lot better. Cause like remember, I remember last year, and it was just felt like it was like wall to wall people. Yeah, but this year, this year it just felt like the flow of traffic was a little bit better. Like I don't know what they did to go ahead and improve the the flow, where like where people walk in between the booths and stuff. But uh, it actually, you know, it turned out quite nice. Yeah, no, it, it wasn't nearly as bad. No, and then not even uh, with the. the so, I mean, they really cut down on the places to sit for people, and then. Uh, because, I mean, before, you know, how they'd like, oh, the fire marshal's going to come get you, which there wasn't as much of that this year. No. But, oh, I mean, all in all, it was really good. So day two is, like, pretty much just, like, straight up, like, prints and then and cosplay. And then later on that night, we went on the, the cosplay cruise, which was, it was a nice little ride around the harbor. It was a really good time, actually. Uh, overpriced drinks, but I have to tell you, the food was really, really good. They had this spread on the bottom floor of the uh, harbor cruise boat, um, and there was, like, lasagna and uh, stromboli and calzones and pizza and salad and, and cake and just anything else you could think of that you could find at the Olive Garden. <laughs> In fact, maybe it was catered by the Olive Garden. I don't know. Actually, I, I would I wouldn't know. So it probably wasn't. So, but um, I stuffed my face and uh, watched people dance around in costumes, and uh, it was a good time. It was a real good time. We all we had fun. We were exhausted, and uh, that brings us to day three. Yeah, by um, day three, like, day three of a con is always, like, like, it's a grind. Because you've been there for so many days, you've seen most of everything, so, like, you're just trying to, like, check boxes on that list of things that you wanted to do before the end, and then you want to get those boxes checked, and then you want to get the hell out of there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just, like, being surrounded by that amount of people for that amount of time, and that's why it's it was actually so important that we actually ended up getting the room this year. Because before it was just uh, three-day VIP, and then you got to kind of go oh, find places to hide and chill out. And then, uh, but this year, we went ahead and, and we had the room, so we could go ahead and hit that time out. So, it's like right now. Oh, it was, it was a lifesaver. It was a godsend having that room. Uh, but by day three, we had to check out, so um, that brings us you know to a point where we no longer had lodgings to uh take breaks and relax so um we became very disgruntled and ornery vigilant geeks <laughs> and with that let's go ahead and give everybody uh our little survival tips to go ahead and get through the con okay yeah so every year we uh do a comic-con survival guide as part of our uh, Boston Comic Con, uh, podcast every year. Um, so we want to give you some tips. Uh, so, you know, next year's con season goes smoothly for you. Um, so tip number one, uh, and, and this is a repeat from last year, but it's just something very, uh, important to hammer home. Uh, spring for the VIP pass. Uh, you won't regret it. Yeah, um, it is, it's, it's really important. Um, the line, uh, the line to get into the con, unless, you know. It, it wraps around the convention center all the way around the back. I remember in the early years where we'd go, we, we'd have to kind of run because the line would be forming. So we'd have to try to catch up with the flow of traffic and then somehow jump in the line. And then you'd always end up with this one guy who's dressed up like Wolverine, who isn't really tough, but today he is. He's so <laughs> tough. And he's going to look at you and be like, hey, bub, that's my spot in line. And you got like... One of two options. You can let the baby have his bottle, or you could probably end up going to jail, because this guy's just gonna... He's, he's Wolverine today, okay? He's Wolverine, <laughs> and he's tough, okay? 
Yeah, um, I, I suppose it might be easier just to let the geek have his day. Um, uh, or you could avoid the mess altogether. And avoid, avoid all geeky confrontations and just get the VIP. And then, because the VIP tickets, all you pretty much go, the line for the VIP is at the door. You walk up to the door, you tell them they're VIP. They're like, oh, go see that guy. And you walk up, you scan the thing, they slap the three day pass on you, they give you the, the thing, you go get your free stuff because you're VIP, they give you free stuff. It's always like a t-shirt. Oh and, yeah, uh, that's another small perk. Uh, you have to pay for those Comic-Con t-shirts, posters, uh, Newbury Comics gets in on it. We got free Harley Quinn glasses this Ooh, year, yes. which, which were great. Um, you don't, you know, you have to pay out, out the ass for the t-shirt and the poster if you want any of that stuff for, you know, from the con. Well, the variant, um, they had a Harley Quinn variant. This which, year. which we also got, yeah, which, which was a Boston Comic-Con variant cover. Done by Amanda Connor. I got it signed by Amanda Connor and Jimmy Palmiotti too. It's hanging up in my room. It's gorgeous. Um, we got all that stuff for free for being VIPs. So you get a little bit of uh, return on investment there besides the fact that you get to cut everyone in line. Well, that the amount of sanity you'll save. Because you know, once you get inside, you're going to be waiting in lines again. I mean, it'll be a little bit cooler and you'll have the satisfaction of being inside. But, like, the line in itself is like... This Herculean task that you have to endure, and it's going to take forever, and the heat index is going to be close to 100 degrees, especially around the summer in Boston. And if you want to get super mega wiped out, and they're like going to need intravenous fluids by the time you get into the building, eh, maybe you should have just paid the extra couple bucks. Because like the VIP tickets are only really like 175, and that's like three days. It's worth it. It's, it's so it's, worth it's it. It's so worth it just to get in at your leisure and like get in and, and, and get to the things that you want to enjoy and do. Because unfortunately with big things like this, like they, they, you, they're going to just, you got to make people wait in line. That's how it is. You can't, everyone can't get stuff signed all at the same time. It's not going to happen. Well, I mean, if they didn't do that and it wasn't organized, <laughs> you'd have like, you know, uh, a situation like, you know, Christmas shopping at Walmart where people are running over each other. Some like Black Friday, Lord of the Flies shit. Yeah, (laughs) people are getting trampled and injured and murdered over comic book signatures and things like that. And so, yeah, I guess the lines are a necessary evil. But if if you want to get to the front, get a VIP pass. So tip number one, VIP pass. Get it. Now, let's go ahead and smoothly segue into tip number two, shall we? And tip number two is bring food and drinks. Um, there's no rules against it. Uh, over the past three years, we've gone to the con. The food lines have gotten a little bit better, but you're still going to be paying close to $10 for, for chicken fingers. Shit. And not even, not even the good kind. Yeah, shitty chicken fingers and shit sandwiches, <laughs> and they're gonna make you pay twenty bucks a piece for them. Uh, yeah. So bring bring your own food. There's no there's no rules against bringing your own food. Uh, we bring uh, sandwiches and all kinds of stuff every year, and it works out great. And we don't waste that valuable con time uh, hanging around in a food line. We, we already got to wait for panels and other things like that. So gives you a little bit. Uh, better way to maximize your time at the con and save a little money. So, step number two, tip number two, bring a food and beverage. Um, so this brings us to tip number three, which is perhaps the most important tip in my opinion. Um, you want to have a plan or a strategy uh, based on what you want to do at the con. And there's, a, the, the con offers a lot. It offers something for everyone. You know, you might be a panel guy or girl. Sorry. You might be more of, you know, a cosplayer. You might be somebody looking for getting comic book signatures. Well, they these things all happen at different times of the day and they're they're scheduled. You got to really plan out like, you know, what when you're going to do what. 
especially for certain signatures. If if the creators that you want to get their signature are particularly popular and you know they're going to be part of about a dozen different panels and and everything else, like you you got to find out when they're going to be available. Uh personally, I'm I'm kind of over the big names after this con. Uh I I enjoyed talking with some of the more entry level, more not I don't know, not necessarily main eventers, but like the the quality of their work's still good and everything, and and they're available, and you can usually just walk right up to their table, and it's and it's nice. You're still talking about mainstream creators, just just not you know Frank Miller, right? Yeah, okay, I know what you're saying. I mean, yeah, I mean this is the kind of phenomenon that really kind of um like. I think this is like really a handful of people. Like um, Jimmy Palmiotti and Amanda Connor have it. Greg Capullo has it. Uh, Scott Snyder has it. Um, like that that aura about them that people want to get, you know, their work signed by them. And uh, and it's just if you're gonna go try to get uh, signatures from any of them, like yeah, you you really do have to plan because a lot of times the the lines themselves just to get the signatures if they're not doing the ticket thing, which I thought was wicked good last year, but they they really they got to go back to the ticket system. It works so much better. Yeah, no, they really messed it up this year. But the the yeah, I mean, because we'd we'd go and we'd show up for the lines to get these signatures right, and they'd be like, "Oh, I'm sorry, the line's capped." I'm like, "All right, well, I'm forming the line behind the line that's capped." And yeah. then, and then depending on how much you can sweet talk the staff, like they maybe sometimes let you sneak in the line and. Yeah, I remember, uh, Chris, Christopher Gerard, uh, was trying to get his Harley Quinn signed. He got his Harley Quinn variant. Oh, yeah. And he... uh, they, they sent him away like three different times for Amanda Connor's table, the, Jimmy Palmiotti's table. They, they kept sending him away and he was getting so pissed. Chris, and Chris doesn't get pissed about anything. And he was finally like, he was if 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 if, well, if, if a, we didn't get it signed that time when I went with him on the last day, he was gonna blow his lid. I, oh yeah, I, I imagine he would. <laughs> like uh, he spent so many times trying to get that weekend, and he always run into the same kid who works the staff. I, I ended yeah. up talking to this kid like once. It was Christopher's arch nemesis. He kept sending him away. Nope, sorry, lines capped. Nope, sorry, oh, sorry, lines lines capped. Sorry. But you said they were gonna be back by two. Well, now it's three. Sorry, they got work to do. I mean, they're so busy. It's this is like, like whoever this kid was had like gigantic delusions about the people he was kind of working for, not really working for. He was like, yeah. he, he was assigned to the like one of the biggest signature tables, and he took his little bit of power, and then like he just abused it. Eh, sorry, lines cap. Eh, sorry, lines cap. I'm sorry. Hey, <laughs> can you straighten out that line? Hey. Eh. Oh yeah, yeah. Ugh. You always gotta watch out for those, uh, Comic-Con staff that are actually, like, really good at doing their jobs. You wanna watch out for them. You know? <laughs> you don't wanna cross them. They're uh, underappreciated. <laughs> well, it starts off like, hey, I don't wanna abuse my power. Like, I wanna, just everything to go nice for everyone at the con and have everyone have a good time. And by, like, after the first 20 minutes of them repeating themselves over and over again, they get power mad. And then, like, then they're just like, no, it wasn't like that the 20 other times. Like, all right, I'm getting sarcastic and passive-aggressive and, like, ugh. Yeah, you got to be careful. Some of them. Some of them are just not that nice of people, especially on a third day when tempers run high and people are just trying to, like, scrape out that one last activity that, like, they wanted to get done before they go. Right, right. Or if you're a vendor, make that last buck. Either way, um... Uh, tip number three is, uh, create a plan or strategy based on what you want to do at the con. So you'll get the program and there'll be times for everything. Panels, uh, cause costume contests, uh, and then, you know, people, uh, industry creators, that's more something where you're going to have to go to their exhibit table. Everything's labeled in the panel. I'm uh, sorry, in the program. Um, go to their table and, and find out when they're going to be there, uh, and then try to get in line. <laughs> yeah. Social media has helped out too. Like I knew like that Scott Snyder was going to be lining up early and that's like one of the reasons why we actually ended up in line at a decent 
Did you find that out from Twitter? Yep. Yeah, no. No way. Yeah, Scott Snyder went ahead and he posted that he was going to do a signing at one. Wow, what a, what a guy, guy for doing that. And, and you showed up at Good the, looks on, on, on sniping that. Oh yeah, no, um, well another thing is if you kind of have your eye on social media, if you follow people like, like you do, well like I do, like my Twitter feed is like a mix mash of comics, creators, wrestling, and, and soccer teams. It was a huge mix mess, but I follow a lot of creators, and some of them were at the con, and it actually turned out really well. I was pretty happy about it. Uh, but yes, that's what allowed us to actually get the Snyder signature this year. Because I remember the first three years, it was hard to get. It was uh, it was like the white whale. Like we'd go every year, and then like, how do we go and get the signatures? Because we were so new to the con that we didn't even right, know how to get them. Right. Right. Yeah. That's back when they were doing the uh, the system with the. With the, with the tickets. Exactly. Yeah. So have a plan. Um, so tip number four is actually a, a really good one that, uh, Holden thought of. I didn't, I didn't think of this one, but it, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, if you're somebody who's into collecting and into buying prints or varying issues of certain books you like or, you know, what have you, uh, bring extra cash on you because, uh, a lot of vendors do not, uh, accept, uh, debit or credit cards. So some do, uh, but it's, a lot of them don't. It's, it's, it, yeah, that's something that's kind of new, like with the, with the vendors accepting the cards. Um, but all in all, cons are a cash business. Everything you want can be negotiated for with, with money and, and, uh, I mean, there's a lot of good stuff. Like, say you got some back issues that you want to get your hands on, or there's this fairly rare book that you can't really find. Well, odds are you, you'll probably be able to find it at the con, because they bring all sorts of high-end stuff there. Um, trying to pick up a, a, a discontinued pop vinyl, or looking for variant covers. Uh, all these things are, are offered there. You want to get prints, you want to make your house nice. Uh, I mean, and most prints are well, relatively reasonably priced, anywhere between 20 to 25 bucks. Sometimes they go a little bit higher. Uh, but, yeah, so it, it's, it's always good just to bring extra cash no matter what, um, but especially for the collector's aspect of it because, like, I don't know about you, but every time I go to a con, I always end up coming home with, like, way more stuff than I showed up with, and, and that's kind of how it should be. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what I'm going to do with that Vampirella life-size cardboard stand-up I got, but uh I got to find some place to put it. It can't stay in the bathroom shower for for much longer. <laughs> That's for sure. I know you're probably getting peeved about that. No, I'm just kidding about that whole thing. But yeah, no. Bring extra cash. Um cuz uh, you know, you're going to end up having to use the ATM if you don't. Um, which brings us to our final tip, and this is not a cop-out whatsoever. It's very important to have fun. Do not hold back. Just follow your inhibitions and be hedonistic for the time you're at the con and do all the things that you want to do, regardless of how geeky or nerdy they are. Uh, because it's all about having fun, and it's all about it's it's important to make that a priority too. Because like going to cons, especially for us when we like to delve into everything, um, it's hard to forget that it's not entirely and completely a business trip. Like right. you got to remember that you, these are the things you enjoy and you love, and that's why you're there. Um, we like to report on this stuff clearly, but. It's so important to to do what you enjoy at the con. And that's why every con we've been to, it's got like a different theme. Like uh first one we went to was about panels and then the second one was about panels and and, and buying back issues and then and so we started getting into signatures then too. Yeah, yeah, and then the third year was the year of the signature and yep. then, yeah, and then right. year four I feel like is uh it's the year of the print. Yeah, absolutely. Um I was actually really surprised with uh, the ratio uh, between vendors selling actual comic books and vendors selling uh, 
uh, original artwork. And, uh, there was so much more prints and, 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 you know, original art pieces than actual books, I felt. Like, maybe that was just my own perception, but, um, no, really, no. In, really interesting. This was kind of the, was the year of the print. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, the, the huge variety of prints offered this year was more than I felt at, at other cons. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, absolutely. I mean, it also has a lot to do with, like, what your mood is and, like, what you're going for at the particular con. Like, the year before, I had gotten so many good signatures that, like, like there are a lot of people who would have been repeat signatures. Yeah. And then, I don't know. I feel like my focus for cons is going to be kind of more local uh, coming around now just because, uh, well, the people are more available. They do interesting work. Um, and then it kind of... Need some some shine on that. Um, well, we have our indie book initiative that we are going to constantly be working on uh, in regards to putting out uh, uh, independent uh, book reviews on on uh, creator own material. Uh, so obviously, you know, we're going to be going to Mice Massachusetts Independent Comic Expo in uh, October. Uh, and then there's Ladies Con. Now, when is Ladies Con? Uh, let's see. That's gonna be in Somerville on the 16th or 17th. Of, of this month, of September. Yes, and then, okay. and then Super Mega Fest is gonna be in Marlboro. I think it's also this month. There are a lot of sneaky independent cons coming up. Um, oh yeah, Super Mega Fest is one of the bigger ones though, and that's one that actually we've never attended. So we're gonna have to make a point to be at that this year. And then, and then other ones too. And then New England, uh, the Shriners, the New England. Oh, Comic the Northeast. Con. Yeah, Northeast Comic Con's coming back again in, in December. And then, that's always a good one, cause that's usually where we end up meeting a lot of our, uh, a lot of the local creators. They like to, they go to that one. Oh yeah, now yeah, that's uh, we've picked up a lot of great literature at, at uh, the Northeast Comic Con that they have at the Shriners Auditorium. Um, it's a great collectors con, and it's great. It's a great con for uh, independent uh, creators. So uh, we'll be uh, going to all those events, and we'll be. Uh, posting blog articles on thevigilantgeek.blogspot.com. And keep your eyes peeled on the YouTube channel. If you're listening to this now, you are listening to our YouTube channel. <laughs> um, but thank you very much for listening. We hope you, uh, are more prepared for con season next year thanks to us. Uh, my name is Andrew Puzak of Vigilant Geek Media. And I'm Holden Orm of Vigilant Geek Media. And as always, stay, stay vigilant! vigilant.